the Alzheimer's, now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is with us this morning. Glad you could make it, sir. <laughs> Do you need a few minutes to catch I your had breath? I to actually <laughs> run up steps, Tom. I mean... There's something a man my size shouldn't have to do in life, yeah. and that was it. But you know what? They call it cardio. I'm done for the week. I, I am not trained in CPR, <laughs> just so you know, in case that happens. Well, you don't have to do that. Just put a donut and a coffee in front of me. We'll be fine. All right. 715-845-2155. If you have a question regarding your portfolio, today would be the day to get it answered. Hey, uh, before we get into whatever you wanted to talk about and brought in, something mm-hmm. caught my eye on CNBC this morning. Um, it was It's an article on... The company Fiserv, and it says an investor with a flair for tech could push Fiserv to the next level. What caught my eye, obviously, is it's the company that is the sponsor for the Bucks Arena in Milwaukee, Fiserv mm-hmm. Forum. And uh, I guess I, I guess I didn't really know what Fiserv did as a company. And according to this, it provides payment and financial services technology worldwide. So it operates the companies that when you go and buy something at a store, it operates the technology where you put your credit card in and mm-hmm. they scan it and do all of that. And the thing that caught my eye is that the uh, one of the investors in the company, uh, uh, it's called Value Act Capital, and I would imagine they're just a, an investment fund. Uh, uh, and uh, it says here they're an activist investment fund, although they only own 1.6% of the company. And... Uh, it says that the investment in Fiserv is right in ValueAct's sweet spot, a technology company with good management products and relationships that are somewhat misunderstood by the market. Some of ValueAct's most profitable investments were in other misunderstood technology businesses like Microsoft, Seagate, and Adobe. For example, both Microsoft and Seagate were viewed as PC companies when they were really cloud co- uh, companies. The market now views Pfizer as an old legacy technology company when it is really a new world company. I guess talk about that a little bit. And do you do that when you go in and check out a company for uh, your clients? Uh, do you? Because we've talked before in the past, you don't believe that some of the companies we talk about, whether it's Facebook or whether it's Amazon, are really what they are viewed at by most people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that a little bit and what you look for when you're looking for a company that may be, quote unquote, misunderstood by the market. This is one of those times, Tom, where we pull up a coffee and start the fire and sit back and have a fireside chat because here it comes. Well, I can turn my mic off then and you can just talk for a while. <laughs> well, I, right. I probably could on this. You know, this is this is kind of where I come back. And uh, Warren Buffett talks about this in some of his early writings when he's you know, teaching guys like me and what do you look at for investing. He says, I want to look at. Uh, the companies that make money know why they make money, um, and I want them to make money different than everybody else. Um, you know, for example, he liked investing in things like Coca-Cola and Dairy Queen long before everybody's doing technology because they made a lot of money, and he wanted to know why. Well, there's high margins in soda and ice cream. So so he liked that, and people loved their product, and so he invested in the company. Well, usually he just bought most of the company. But um, 
So and I like looking at companies like this. For example, I, I, I'm not going to tell you the name of the medical company, but you know, we're all looking at the medical and the Pfizer's and all this kind of stuff. And I found a company that we started buying for a couple of clients. Um, that what they do is they make all the stuff that goes into hospitals and clinics. So they make or buy or deal with all the, the gloves, the gowns, the masks, uh, you know, the plastics, all the stuff that you have to do, they're the ones who do it. So they either buy, distribute, make, distribute, that kind of stuff. And, and all they do is make money. They're not tearing up the world. They're not going up with these super incredible run-ups on their stock and that whole bit, but every year they just keep making money and they just keep making more of it and they pay a dividend. And we started buying, I like companies like that. I like oil and gas, but I don't like the fluctuation of the oil and gas prices itself. So I like the only companies I've talked about many times. I like the companies that do all the oil pipeline and refinery because no matter what, they're making money because we need to have oil and we need to have refining. doesn't matter what the oil prices are. They're making their spread on the price anyway. So I like stuff like that. Now, when it comes to Pfizer, I mean, they've been big in banking for a long, long time. And uh, in that, what we found then is, and this is really kind of, kind of goes out to one of my clients. He came up with an idea to me. I said, that's a brilliant idea. We went through, did some work back and forth. And we found out that I don't have to invest inside of Bitcoin to benefit by Bitcoin, for example. Because so many entities are now going into wanting to use Bitcoin as payment. Somebody has to process that stuff. And so when you look at the companies that are out there that are processing these expenses, these fees, you know, how do I take a piece of Bitcoin and have it deposited from my account and being used for my goods and services? It's those companies that really we have to look at. And that's how we profit from, say, Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies is by those companies. And Fiserv is right in the middle of that. So that's where he, where he says that it's uh, viewed as an old company, but it could be viewed as a new company. Oh, very much so. I mean, they're very much inside of their technology. Now, I have not, folks, looked at their financials and say, where's the math on the inside? Are they making money or not? But I'm going to assume that they're fine. Um, uh, and so from that, I bet if we looked at the math on the inside, and they're now digging themselves into um, how do we process cryptocurrency payments? Not only in the U.S., but how do they put that product around the world? And because Fiserv and so many banks, as far as their other products that they have, um, my certain guesstimate would be, is that they're making it so that we have the ability to do cryptocurrency through the banking system at some particular point in time. So I'd very much guess that. Now, Tom, you just, matter of fact, I just made a note, folks, on my paper to do some investigation on that because that's pretty nice. Pfizer uh, says they're growing at approximately 8% a year. And uh, according to this, they're transforming themselves uh, before being disrupted by smaller competitors. One of the companies that's part of their, their group is called Clover. And they came out with a smart point-of-sale terminal a few years ago, and uh, is uh, Clover's value today at thirty billion to forty-five billion. Um, and uh, he suggests the the writer of this column suggests there are three main areas for the company to focus on: investing to drive this growth rate up, growing through acquiring and integrating a few other businesses like Clover, buying your competitors, as it were. I would imagine some companies do do a lot of that. Yep. And third, simplifying its strategy and how it communicates with the market. The market needs to better understand the company and its opportunities. Uh, so do companies, uh, this is maybe a naive question, I would imagine they do have public relations flacks or that are out there basically oh, sure. going to people like you and saying, this is our company, this is what we do. Maybe you don't realize this is what we do, but uh, they're out there telling the story. 
Uh, there's firms like that all over the place. Well, Wasa Insurance is a perfect example of that. The Wasa story, which was the the backbone of their advertising campaign for years mm-hmm. in magazines, on TV, et cetera, et cetera, telling the story of what they did, workman's compensation insurance, when pe- people maybe didn't really know that. Sure. Um, boy, lots of that. Uh, there are companies, on a side note, that do that all the time with guys like me, you know, saying, you know, look at our company. We did this. We made this amount of money. We're looking to raise this much capital. We're looking to sell this many stocks. That happens all the time in our industry. Um, there was a place I was going with this and it just completely escaped me. But uh, nonetheless, if we, so, look at, I mean, if we look at companies, you know, like this. Um, how much How much of what they tell you is true? How much is spin? How much is, you know, trying to. It's always truthful spinning. You know, like politics. Well, hold it. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. The investment companies probably actually tell more of the truth. But nonetheless, um, you know, if we look at this, I'm, I'm just going to use Facebook for example, because that's something during our time together that popped out. Remember, Facebook came out and I said, well, they don't make any money. I said, We're, you know, they need to be able to capitalize on making money. And that was our original conversation when they came out in IPO. And, and finally, I think so, the light bulb went on, you know, with Zuckerberg or somebody within their organization said, you know what? We're not a social media company. We're an advertising company. And so as soon as they changed their platform to a mobile device and said, look, we can actually advertise all the stuff and put advertisements in front of it when people are looking at their social menus. Um, um, and look, ta-da, all of a sudden they started generating profit. Well, now we look at it and say, okay, great. Though we still look at Facebook as an advertising company, them, Google, and others, they're, they're really advertising companies. That's what they're selling. And so with that, it's a realization that, we, okay, now we know who we are, what we do, and how we generate our profit. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe Pfizer was the same thing. If they got a product that they spin off that's worth $30 billion, that's not a bad start. How many companies take a while to figure that out um, and don't know that right away of what they are? Boy, look at YouTube. Uh, you know, YouTube for a long time. Okay, they have video clips. I remember first came out, I'm like, okay, that's neat, but so? And now you go on there and they've got advertisements popping up all over the place. It's like watching TV, but just in shorter increments. And they're professionally produced you know, commercials uh, that we're watching YouTube. And now we can, you know, learn anything on YouTube if we really want right. to, you know. So I learned how to show a guy how to stain my deck. Notice I didn't do it, <laughs> you know. So, mm. so, so it, sometimes it takes a while for a company to uh, to do that. Um, you know, the computing uh, space, uh, PCs have really slowed down. I mean, they've slowed down considerably in how they're being made and, and Microsoft and Adobe, but they spun themselves beautifully into a cloud company and they're doing a tremendous job at it, matter of fact. Well, as long as you brought that up, let's talk chip technology a little bit. There was a story that came out yesterday about um, the one of the major chip companies is going to, um, I believe, ramp up. How did how did the story go? They were going to ramp up production in a in a way that I can't remember how they were going to do it now, because of the chip shortage um, in the in the world for cars and computers and things like that. That had to make the PC companies and the car companies especially very happy when they got that news. Um, it's been around a little bit for the last couple of months, I should say, is exactly that. And it really started by, and boy, I can't think of the name of the person's name. This will teach me for I should go into bed early again. I can't think. Um, the It was a past officer for Intel. Um, he left the company, retired. Um, he was just asked to come back again. And one of his first statements that he came, and this is probably about three or four months ago, one of his first statements, he said, we need chips made in America so we can control our supply flow manufacturing want it we want it the computer industry we needs it we're going to build chips here in america and he said we're going to start now and start ramping up to build it in multiple places then he went on bought a couple of other smaller chip manufacturers that already had manufacturing processes in place to start building chips with stuff that we need in america 
Um, and I think that's just a brilliant move. And that was just Intel coming back. And we're starting to hear all the others um, starting to come in, you know, AMD saying we're going to ramp up stuff. And, and other people saying we're going to make it so that we have it built closer to home, closer to our supplier, not replying, relying on, uh, quite honestly, China for the chip manufacturing. And, and so with that, um, I think any manufacturer that's going into the chip industry, we have to look at it as, as investing right now in those companies. Um, so I've had some people say, well, geez, I bought that two or three months ago. It hasn't gone up. I said, well, you don't buy a stock to you know, have it go up in two months or three months. If you do that, go to the casino. You know, we're looking at this stuff for three and five years down the road. What do we do? And I think if we bring chips back to America that we use, I think it's going to be a brilliant thing across the board. That's not what day traders do, right? They're looking for things to go up immediately and then well, selling right immediately. Well, of course right they are, and that's why they're, you know, all nuts and crazy that whole bit. So <laughs> picking up my friends of day traders, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like day trading. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. I like buying good quality stuff and holding on to it for a while. We tend to have a, a lot better rates of returns as a result of doing that. Is day trading like the uh, result of uh, all of the ADD that we have going on in the country oh, God, that folks yeah. can't yeah. just can't focus? They've got to they've got to just be doing something all the time. Oh, no doubt about it. I have a, and I'm going to pick up one of my clients, and he's probably listening right now. So if you're listening, yes, I am picking on you. Um, we had to tell him that he has needs to go out and you know get like Netflix or something. He doesn't want to. He says, well, they really don't have a line that runs down here. So they make a dish. He goes, well, yeah, but that's $100 a month. I said, you can afford $100 a month. Um, he finally had to get a phone because his 3G stopped working. So he had to step up to a new phone <laughs> so he could get in there. So he's really proud now he can call from the inside of his house. He lets himself become a recluse. So nonetheless, what happens is he can get one station in the morning and he listens to all the stock tips. And so he thinks he's a stock trader and he doesn't need to be. Um, one, he's already retired. Two, he's already saved his assets, but he's a stock trader, so he wants to keep buying stock. And he always seems to want to keep buying technology stock, and I keep telling him no because he doesn't need to buy any more technology stock. He owns a whole bunch of it already. Um, and so he keeps going back and forth, and I have to keep telling him, you're not a day trader. You know, you're a retired farmer. Just be a retired farmer. You're not a day trader. Not that you can't well, everybody be a day trader as you're a farmer. everybody has hobbies when, they, when they're retired. Some people yeah. golf. Some people go fishing. This guy just wants to dabble in the stock market, although, according to you, it's not dabbling, right? It's, no, he, he wants to keep doing crazy stuff. I told him to go buy a cow just so he had something to do <laughs> during the day, daytime. But uh, he's not going to buy a cow. So, But he you know, still plays in the farm. But you know, what's amazing, though, is um, he watches the stuff, and he listens to it, and he does a good job with it. Um, you know, I can say uh, hats off to many of my farmer clients and, and those that are out there. They know commodities, Tom, better than most pot people that are commodities traders because they're familiar with them. They did them in their whole lives. You know, he had a commodity stuff, uh, you know, uh, put right into his house. He was going out with the price of beef continually, which is what he did in milk, Jesus. Um, uh, and so that comes off to the trading. They know what they're doing, but he just doesn't need to. That's the thing. I would imagine that folks in your industry – sort of maybe like those guys who actually do the research and, and are smart enough to know what it means. And then there are the other people that dabble and, you know, they read a few articles on the internet and think they're, they're experts. Uh, and yeah. then they tell you what my brother-in-law, the bus driver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not that, that, that the bus driver doesn't know what they're doing. We've, we've always we've used that analogy yeah. before, but right. Or it could be somebody down at the gym or whatever, you know, they're telling yeah. you about the hot tip. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to talk them down from the ledge. Oh yeah. So, Another client, I don't mean to share stories, but it's kind of fun in this instance. Uh, we have another client um, in his 80s, finally retired. Yes, I said that. In his 80s, finally retired. She goes, all right, what are you looking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> so he says, okay, I'm going to start buying some stock. And there's this one stock he just loves. And it's a stock that anybody in their 80s 
should not be buying the percentage of his portfolio that he has. He's driving our compliance department crazy. He's driving us crazy. We had to have him sign some special documents because he wants to keep buying this one stock because he believes in the, the math, the, the backbone of it, the management. He believes in the stock. And it is doing exceptionally well for him. So he wants to buy more. And I'll say, you know, are you just trying to drive me crazy? He goes, <laughs> well, not really, but it seems to be going that way. I said, you don't need to have any more. He goes, I know, but I really believe in the stock. It's a good stock. Can I buy some more? I'm like, oh, geez. So we actually had to have a person who's in his 80s sign high-risk documents because of what he wants to buy. So he says, well, what'd you do with it? I said, not that. I said, we've got to diversify it. So then he comes up with a bunch of stuff. He goes, I listened to you. Here's some diversification. And the stuff he picks is all really good, except it's like the one company he wants to buy, just different companies, but all the same industry. Same yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh. He has to understand the concept of diversification, <laughs> yeah, apparently. That part a little bit. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, this is Allie Lundin. Hi, Allie. You're Hi, on Allie, with Mark. Go you? ahead. Oh, um, I'm on air? You are. on air. I'm so sorry. We were just calling in because we had heard the podcast yesterday on feedback about the Dr. Corey who was trying to fight the ivermectin, and we just had a request because we are in a legal battle with Marshfield Hospital right now for that very reason. Okay, well, we're doing a live uh, radio show right now and not talking about horse medicine, but uh, all right, the 715-845-2155. I guess we need to take a break here for some news anyway. We'll do that. We'll come back with more. We're with Merle Kelch here on the program back in a moment here on WSAU. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easy. I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our, our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, joining us again this morning. Um, the market was down Thursday with some inflation fears as the Fed is meeting in Jackson Hole for their summit meeting. And apparently they're not going to change anything at this point in time, at least right now. So that mm -hmm. helped the market go back up again yesterday. But they're going to start a tapering um, before the end of the year. So, but hopefully not a taper tantrum. Uh, yes, we talked a little bit about that last week, the taper tantrum. So, yep, so federal chair Powell says he supports the starting of a taper bond purchases later this year. And I'm looking at an article by Greg Robb, but this is certainly all there all over the place. And so what the taper means is that uh, though the Federal Reserve doesn't have a lot of tools inside of their bag, they have enough to certainly swing economies. Uh, one of them, of course, is by interesting, or increasing or decreasing interest rates, and the other is by buying bonds from the open marketplace and holding them onto the federal balance sheet or the Fed balance sheet. And they've been doing that for a while. So what that does is it creates liquidity into the market. The same thing as saying, well, if we buy the bonds, the cash goes into the banks, the banks have the ability to lend, yada, yada. Um, and uh, so there we go, Seinfeld, right there in the show this morning, yada, yada. So uh, with it, they're going to start slowing down the amount of purchases that they have, uh, which will start tightening up some of the cash and hopefully slow up inflation a little bit too, um, is the uh, uh, their wish in this. Now, they're not all on the same page. I'm reading a story from CNBC 
Fed Chairman Powell's benign view on inflation is getting pushback at the Fed and elsewhere. No fewer than five Fed regional presidents have said it's time to pull back on the easy money policies, citing various levels of confidence in the economy tempered by worries over mm-hmm. inflation. Inflation would be the main problem that they're going to worry about now. Is that yeah, it? yeah, yeah? So because every, uh, I mean, everything else it seems to be going pretty well. I mean the the job market, even though there are not enough people to fill the jobs, the uh, the unemployment rate in many places, including here in Wisconsin, is pretty good right now. Um, yep. the people seem to be make uh, businesses seem to be making money. Uh, the market is has been up for the most part for the last few weeks. So, well, the, the market is the market has been up because we have profitability. Um, and people are the jobless rate is coming down. We still need to fill a lot of jobs, but it's coming down. We've been, we we may not have enough people up. to fill all of the jobs, even if even if you know they we get past it, and now they're going to get rid of the. Uh, the unemployment that everybody was yelling about that people claimed were, were keeping people from working. Uh, so now I guess we'll find out what, but I think it, it's pretty clear at this point, the math shows there are just not enough people to fill the jobs. And you've talked about it on the show before sure. making it easier for immigrants to come in and work because we need them to fill these jobs. Yeah. And, and something I've said for probably 20 years, you know, we, we need immigrants to come in. We just need to know who they are. And that's the biggest thing. Um, I'd have to say that the um, the unemployment is having an effect. And again, from our personal side of things, again, folks, I've been a, a trustee of the uh, Fraternal Order of Eagles here in town for a long time. And for us to find jobs <clears throat> for individuals to do, of course, the, 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 the business of running the club, we couldn't find applications. I mean, we, we couldn't find anything. We just hired a great person for a cook, by the way. Um, and we had to steal him from another company. I'm sorry, steal her from another company. Because you were paying more than the other companies, so once again, well, I tell you, I tell the attractive. question is that much more attractive. You by the way. can't, <laughs> you, yeah, you're, yeah, you're much more attractive. You can't I mean, find people to is. work at what you want to pay at a well, lot of these that's places. That's true. We couldn't find it any pay for a long time, but we've noticed over the course of the last week and a half to two weeks, all of a sudden applications are coming in for the pay that we've been advertising for the last couple of months, um, and I think that t- comes that that seems to lead to um, the unemployment situation that's coming up, and so. Um, where we weren't getting any applications at the wage that we're at right now a month ago, two months ago, we weren't getting any applications coming in. Now we're starting to get them dripping in pretty good to the point where we well, have Well, I think a the unemployment rate from. in Wisconsin is like, what, 3.9%? It's under, oh, yeah, it's it's under 4%. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's better so, than the national average. We would be considered at, at near full employment. Yeah. Um, so so the extra people who are coming off, are, are they shouldn't have a, fi- a problem finding a, a job by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so we're still looking for some positions. So just in case you're bored, Come see us. There you go, Tom. You have a part-time job. I always thought I should have learned how to mix drinks because then you can always find a job. There, people are always looking for bartenders. Well, as for part-time, it's, it's kind of funny. There's there's been a few times, folks, where I've had to fill in as a guest bartender at the Eagles Club. Uh huh. And uh, people get a kick out of it. And they actually start laughing. The regulars when I come into bartending. You know how to mix all those fancy drinks, or well, is here's it here's all the rest of the beers. story goes. Yeah. So I come in and said, I'm your new guest bartender for two hours. So if your drink has more than two ingredients, choose another one. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you give a healthy pour? Do we know that uh, if we come and see you while you're bartending, well, the drinks you know, are going to be pretty stiff? you know I take care of people. We're okay, good. <laughs> yeah, so I'm good with beer and two drink, uh, you know, two ingredient drinks. Got that's, it. That's okay, I'll remember that. So, so, but the unemployment, though, we're starting to see um, applications starting to come in where we didn't before. And so I, I think it has more, more to do than we believe uh, with the unemployment numbers coming up i think people have to get out there um they're gonna start losing it they have to say well maybe it's time so um so i i wonder and i have not seen this study yet 
that shows the states that did this a month ago, how they're doing compared to the uh, states that are doing it right now is at least falling off that bonus. It'd be interesting to find a study on that. You'd wanted to talk a little bit about uh, things that you're hearing from some of your clients about um, how to protect the gains that they've made in their portfolios now. And it, it, Boy, they're, they're looking at, you know, the worries around the world. We've got the situation in Afghanistan. We've got the situation in yeah, with yeah. China easy, and all these other places. Boy, easy 10, 12 calls this past week. Yeah. Um, you know, with all this stuff in Afghanistan, are we going to be in another war? What's going to happen with this? And we've had such great gains in the last few years. How do I protect that? I don't want to have it go down. What do we do? It's a lot of conversations in our office has gotten enormously busy as a result of it. And, and so like so many things, we people, you know, everybody wants a 30% rate of return guaranteed with no loss. And that doesn't exist to folks. We all know that. Um, but you want to hold on to what you have. And so there's a lot of conversations in there. Some people say, I'm still going to work for a few years. What do we need to do differently with the 401k? How do we adjust it? Do we do something different? And I'm not here, certainly on the, the station here, to say this is what everybody needs to do. But there are a lot of choices that are out there. You know, if your 401k you think might be too aggressive or maybe not aggressive enough, contact a financial advisor and sit down and say, this is what I want to do. Here's where I retire. What do you recommend inside of a portfolio? So we've done a bunch of that lately, as well as people come through and says, well, I'm going to retire in a year. I'm going to retire in six months. Let's take the 401k uh, uh, now and get it ready to go so that it's easy transition when we retire. Um, where do we go with that? You know, and so some of the questions I always look at a person and say is how much is your monthly budget? And that's probably one of the biggest things that people miss. Um, people say, do I have enough money? So, well, how much do you spend? You know, that's a question people, well, I don't know. Well, geez, that'd be a good place to start. Um, I, as that advisor, can't tell you how much money you spend. I could probably say how much you should spend, but that's a whole nother conversation. So you find out how much you spend. And then what I like to do, folks, and I'm just telling you what I like to do as an, as an advisor to people. <clears throat> let's say with your social security and your wife's social security, um, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're between those two, it's uh, $3,000 a month. I'm making up a number here and you need five to stay alive on and do all the things you want to do. And I always recommend people put inside of your budget, put a couple hundred bucks a month for vacation, you know, put a few hundred bucks in for, you know, going out to eat or doing something like that, put that inside of your budget. And so if it ends up becoming 5,000 bucks and 3,000 from social security, I like to take that $2,000 and I like to guarantee it if I can. Um, I like the idea that no matter what happens, if the stock market's up or down, I have that income guaranteed. And so we'll go through our clients. We'll recommend some investment vehicles that can and guarantee that income. No matter what comes, that money's going to be there. So we like to use it either through using some sort of an annuity product. Um, and I'm a big fan of, of annuity products that we can actually take the money out. We own it. I don't like annuitizations. Um, or using municipal bonds when we can. And right now we can't because the prices are too high. I'm not buying anything reasonable at the moment, but I like using municipal bonds because we can buy insured municipal bonds that have, you know, insurance on the principal and the interest that you receive. Um, I like some of those guarantees in there. So I know it's going to be there, or perhaps maybe it's a pension that you might receive. And those are really getting more and more rare to come by. Then with the rest of it, we can use stuff inside of the market and plan more for the future. But I know that those expenses are covered. Um, and I'm a big fan of doing it that way. What's the difference between an annuity and an annuity annuity product and an annuitization, and why would you want to do one versus the other? Obviously, as you said, keeping control of the money, but why would a company offer that? Wouldn't they want to control the money and control the Tom, investment? it's like I gave you the script. <laughs> <laughs> annuity is an annuity. doesn't matter what it is. Annuitization is an action of an annuity. So an annuity is an investment vehicle that gives you tax deferral until some point in time in the future. So maybe it's you, maybe it's the next generation, but somebody's going to pay tax on it when that money comes out. 
So um, I haven't had the explanation, but let's do it here. An annuity is just nothing more than a mall. It can't be the Wassa Mall anymore. We tore it down. But let's say we have a mall. As long as the money stays inside of that mall and stays within the doors, it's tax deferred until some point in the future. Now, the mall has each one of the stores, and let's say each one of the stores is a mutual fund for sake of ease, and we can move the money around to different types of stores inside of that mall all the time as much as we want to, no taxation, until we take the money out of the mall, out of the annuity. So, with How it, about we, if we move it to a different mall? Um, you can actually do that as long as you tell the mall owners you're moving it. They can still move from one mall to the other, good question, and still not have to pay any taxes on it through a couple of different you know, tax loops go, that you go through. So, so the difference in here now is you can use the annuity for a bunch of different things. It's actually a really cool tool if you use it right. The unfortunate part is I see a lot of people using it for the wrong reasons. For example, if you want to use this annuity for a guaranteed income stream, you can use it that way, and you can use it through one, through what's called a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, and that's where you're paying a premium for that service. Or you can do what's called an annuitization, where you literally give up the principal for a guaranteed income stream. I never liked that because I'm giving up the principal for the income stream. This would be like a pension if you're in the state of Wisconsin. You know what that means. You give up that big pension dollar. I'm sorry, big dollar amount for the guaranteed income stream for your pension. I don't like doing that. I'd rather have a control of the money myself. So that the annuitization is if you take an annuity and you annuitize it for a lifetime income in exchange for the principal. So you give the insurance company the principal to give you the guaranteed income. I'd prefer to do that using that guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. Are they both equal? Why uh, Why wouldn't you do that if they, they yeah, obviously they're, can't they're, both they're be equal? Currently, they're similar because interest rates are so low, but typically the annuitization gives you a few more bucks, typically. And so some people say, well, I want the higher dollar amount, so I'll take the annuitization. Well, I'd still rather have the money on my own and accept the lower dollar amount. So the annuitization works out real well uh, for that. Another reason annuities work out well using the small is because of our healthcare system right now. We might be able to get on the uh, Obamacare, you know, say from 62 to 65, if we can keep our income down below, I think it's 64,000 is the current dollar amount. So you can actually use an annuity and shield money from, say, a brokerage account that's non-IRA. You can put it inside of an annuity. And when you do that, folks, you want to use annuities that don't have any surrender charges to them. Yes, they do exist. They also don't pay a commission out to a broker. That's probably why most people don't know, know about them. But you put it in there. And so now it takes all the capital gain distributions that are unknown until the end of the year. It takes them off your, your uh, uh, AGI. And as a result of that, then you can shield that money more predict what your income is going to be to try to control your health insurance costs. So, so annuities are really good tools, but how do you use them becomes the case. But the annuitization is a process of exchanging your principal for a lifetime income. And, uh, geez, you really don't want to do that. There's benefits if nursing homes are involved in that whole bit, but we'll save that scope uh, for Alan when he comes on next. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more if you have a question. Chat with the friendly digital retirement coach, Avo, and receive personalized tips to help boost your savings. Start chatting with Avo today at aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is here. We've got a few minutes left. If you have a question, I see the phone is ringing. So 
Let's see if we can find somebody right now. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Carl from Clover. Carl, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Carl. Hey, Merle. Uh, you all, like, this uh, modern portfolio theory you're always talking about. Uh-huh. Now, I grew up uh, with... If you get a windfall, you would cost average to buy into the market. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like with modern portfolio theory, you're dumping in and let it ride. So now well, I have like There's nothing wrong a, with doing both, quite honestly, and that's okay. Oh, okay. So so um, two different things, and here's, here's how I look at it with my clients is this. Um, when I'm starting to put them, let's say I get a, a new client and we're starting to put money in a 401k, a younger person, unless it's... You know, my kids, and I tell them that they have to go all in maximum 401k because those are the rules. I've used that lie. It works out great. They start saving, by the way, Carl, right off the bat because those are the rules. See? Okay, so what we do is you tend to start out with somebody who's starting with a 401k or putting money away. I like them to get diversified and start dollar-cost averaging because they start getting the money in. Well, let's say if you dollar-cost average and you're dollar-cost averaging some things that have a small and a mid-cap to them and they're you know, they really start whipsawing after a while. And, and you know, if you've got two or three thousand or five thousand bucks whipsawing up and forth, that's not that big of a deal. But if you get fifty thousand dollars whipsawing up and down like a mid and a small cap would be, well, now you gotta break it up. And so it's that point in time that I'll break it break it up then into using modern portfolio theory and diversify it. So I like using my uh, dollar cost averaging to get me there. Yeah. Once we get some savings in, you gotta split it up and get it diversified. Okay. So if I have a hundred thousand dollar windfall, I shouldn't just dump it in on Monday morning and uh, uh, let it ride. Do you okay. have a one hundred thousand dollar windfall? Did you uh, hit the I, I number? Actually, I, I actually do, but I didn't hit a number. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's a hundred million dollars. Okay. Oh, so no, that, I guess, that. but the major question, though, you say dump it in. The major question is where you dump it and how it's, do you dump it's, it? Yeah, it's, it's how you. It's. I mean, that's important, right? It just sounds wrong saying how yeah, you I dump know, it yeah, and yeah, put yeah, it down yeah, with yeah. it, but nonetheless. But you know, the thing in here, Carl, would be is you're, you're at a dollar amount now that you really want to um, um, diversify it. So now, um, let's say you use modern portfolio theory and you buy all the pieces of the pie. Um, if you want to put those pieces in the pie and you want to do them over three or four months, uh, putting in a, a third or a quarter of the pie over the course of the next, there's nothing wrong with doing that. This is the dollar amounts that you have now are part of that whipsaw we talked about. And so in doing so, I would suggest that when you buy, buy the whole diversification on that modern portfolio theory, um, buy it that piece of a time if you want a dollar cost average. So now you've taken advantage of both parts. You've averaged a bit, and at the same time, you've got the diversification of what you need. I hope that okay. made sense. Okay. Well, thank you. Merle can see You're you on welcome. Monday with, uh, you can bring down your cash in a paper bag. There you go. Cash uh, in a paper <laughs> That's bag. That's a joke. Go. That's They'll lock me up, Carl, on the way in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Carl. Do you have people that do that? Bring in cash? Oh, God, yes. Um, they, I, they, they win a jackpot at the casino. It's here. Here, do something with we, this. We, we just had a young guy come in, and he's the, the child of one of our clients. And he comes and says, um, well, I want you to start you know, getting me going. I want to start investing like mom and dad. It's like, okay, we got it. We'll take care of you. So he comes in and brings 5000 in cash. I can't take that. Why? <laughs> Because you can't take cash. Well, I don't like checkbooks. Well, I don't like your money then. I can't invest for you. So he goes, well, I'll have to talk to mom. So he had to go have mom write him out a check to go into his account to invest because he didn't have a checkbook. Well, I don't use checks because I do everything online. I said, well, perfect. Wire it. That costs $50. Well, then get a checkbook. (laughs) 
why, why is so, the rule in place that you can't take care? I guess it's for money laundering purposes, money laundering, drug, yeah, drugs and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, okay, all right. You Makes know, sense, um, I guess. You know, so somebody come by, and uh, it, the biggest one I ever had was uh, $50,000 inside of a, a brown paper bag somebody brought in. and said, can you invest this for me? I said, no, I can't do that. He has to bring me a check. And literally the response was, well, I don't want the IRS to know about it. <laughs> oh, thank you for coming to me that that's, way. Take it to the guy down the street. That's the reason you have to give me a check. Yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, so, on that, true story. Yeah. Uh, true story. And nice. so they uh, they decided not to invest with anyone about a Lexus. So. Great, yeah. There's, yeah, a, great, well, there's must, a great investment must, for you. They must have found a place to take right. the cash, I guess. All right. Well, on that note, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Folks, without the cash in a paper bag. Without cash. Yeah, don't don't bring cash in. Cucumbers in a paper bag, that's okay. okay. All right. Yeah. So stop and visit us, folks. Third Avenue and Bridge Street in Wassa. Stop in and kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. Um, say hello and hi. You can give us a call. 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wasta area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. See you next week. You'll be in Boston. That's right, and that's right. Uh, you'll be, still be able to take questions next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. We've got uh, the news on the way, a shortened version of the Polka shows today because an early Packer football game, the Packers finish up the uh, preseason with a game at Buffalo. Packer game day begins in a little over an hour, 10 a.m., for Packer game day. And then tonight, the Brewer game in Minnesota. We'll have that for you after the Packer game right here on WSAU.